Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. This is what I really believe God is saying to us for this year. Be open. Because God has been escalating what he's doing and he's ready for some people to arrive at where he has already placed us. But so many Christians don't know where they are. And because we don't know our position, we find we're lost people. The first question that Jesus or God asks anybody is, where are you? That was the first question in the Bible to Adam and Eve. Where are you? Knowing your position is absolutely radically important. You will find if you get your position right, God will sort the who and everything else out to follow. We're so much into identity, and that's right and good, but you'll find your identity if you accept the position that God has given for you. And so this word open, we're going to discover, has got so much importance for last day's Christians. As I said this morning from Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, we've come through day one. Hosea said on the first day, God wounds us. God has to deal with us. We have to come to repentance. And certainly for the first 1,000 years after Jesus, which is like to the Lord, one day, we went through times of difficulty and persecution and harassment as the church tried to discover who and what it was. And then Hosea says the next time through, on the second day, he will revive you. He'll start things going again. And in the second thousand years after Jesus, things started to happen that raised the church into revival mode. And we started to come back to what we had lost. Because God, Jesus, has always intended there to be a great church. A powerful church, a glory-filled church that is going to be so awesome because it is the new creation church of Jesus Christ. We are a new species. I'm not Homo sapiens. I'm Homo sapiens divinitus. Mmm, I like that. I've got supernatural DNA working through me. I have the DNA of my Father in me. I am a totally radically new species. Woo! So are you. So are you. You are weird. I mean, you are peculiar, and God loves that sort of person. And so if you're going to be a fool for Jesus, be a big one. Be radical. Be different. Because God has made you to be extraordinary. You haven't been made again to be small. And so many Christians are grubbing around at ground level in a small locality, whereas God wants to take you up into the vastness of your possibility and potential. When you are a little shark, it's only because you're staying in a small aquarium. The first thing you've got to do to become a big shark is let someone take you out of the little glass box you are in. You can't see the limits, but they know you're in it. Take you out and put you into the ocean and become a giant. Become a giant. Take away the borders. Start to become open. Open borders. That's what God wants. Kiwis are nice, tucked away little animals birds but tell you mm, get them flying they become pterodactyls they are huge and it's time to get this pterodactyl dna working in you saints of god mm, become aggressive for jesus christ 
He can do things in and through you that you never had a clue about, but that's okay. He wants to take you beyond what you can ask or think. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He takes you beyond your imagination. That's very important for us to understand with this word open. So the first thing we looked at this morning very briefly was the O. To get over things. Get over the past. Get over what you think are your limitations. You were not born to be small. You were just not. You're born to be radically different. And the world is groaning to see the radical true sons and daughters of the king. They are. They're groaning to see Jesus. And so get over the past. Get over yourself. Get overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And become an overcomer. If there's an overcomer, there's an undergoer. You don't want to become an undergoer. You don't want to be down. You want to be up. You don't want to be under. You want to be on top. He who is on top rules. That's an important thing. You cannot rule from being under. It doesn't happen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, You are a light set on a hill. You were made to be on top. It is radically the truth. You were made to rule. You were made to accept sonship and kingship and start to be a person who takes your society for Jesus Christ. That's how you were made. That's how I am made. But we've forgotten those high things that God has called us to. God has called us to be over, not to be under. And so we had a look at the second O, which was open. Because God has given us such great things, open your heart to the possibility. Open your thinking to the radical love of God that transforms us. Saints, if you feel inhibited, if you feel restricted, shy, or whatever else, God is in the business of opening up. And he'll help you. And that's why people and churches like this exist. So they can help you and you can help us and together we can get there. Being open to God is so important. So we look for a moment at the Song of Solomon. Chapter 5 verse 2. Open to me my beloved and come away and rise up. You see when you open the next call is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God is calling every one of us up to high places as never before. When you left, now bear with me, maybe you don't know this, but in the Old Testament, the picture of us today was the Israelites. They came out of Egypt, the place of slavery, the place where Pharaoh ruled over them. Egypt is very low. It's sea level. It's where the wind and the sea can come on in and destroy your crops in a moment and you're tossed back and forth by the elements. God doesn't want Christians to live under the world's control. He doesn't want you to be a low-level, low-thinking, retarded Christian. <clears throat> he wants you to be big. He doesn't want you to be under the flow of the ebb and current of the latest fads so you got to use all your money and just looking cute. <clears throat> When God's got so much for you, much more for you. Not to be low. You were taken out of that low territory to rise up into the plateau of the desert. It's higher ground in the desert. Now, God doesn't take you to the desert as he did for the Israelites, just so that he could dump you in the sand and leave you to die. God's not into letting you to die in the desert. He's wanting to teach you his principles. 
the authority of the word of God, the reality of his presence in your life as you go through those hard times so that once you go through the hard times, he can show you the promised land. And God's promised land is not low and it's not plateau. He says in the book of Exodus, I have called you to my high mountain. The high mountain. God has called every Christian here, every person here, even if you don't know Jesus, he has called you to his high mountain. You are not to live in Egypt. You're not to die in the desert. You are to come into this last day, the third place, the third day of living in the high mountain of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and following says, he, and verse 22 and following says, he has brought you unto Mount Zion. He has brought you unto Mount Zion and to the heavenly Jerusalem. Not the Jerusalem on earth, not Zion in Israel over there. He has taken you to a spiritual place that is amazingly high, amazingly powerful. And there, in that high place, he says, you are parting with angels, myriads of angels. God is wanting us to know that you and I have access to angelic help. Now, these aren't little cupids going, twing with those little fancy bows, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. These are, these are, these are big, these are transformers. <laughs> you can tell by my physique, hallelujah. Uh-huh. These, are, these, these things are big, these things are powerful, hallelujah. So start to come into the realm of what God has got for the church in the last days. Jesus said in John chapter one, verse 51, I say to you, you shall see heaven open, open, and you shall see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. God wants you and me to participate with angels and start to receive the power of heaven in a whole new way. And so those covered our O's. We went on to P. You need to take your position up in God. You need to be in that place where God has actually already put you. You're on Zion. You are. That's where you are. You're way up there. Psalm 85 says, it shall be recorded of this one and of that one. They were born in Zion. They were born in Zion. You know, when an eaglet is born, it isn't born down in the lowland. When an eaglet is born, it is born in the very top of the mountain, in the eerie, where the mother eagle is. She gives birth to that egg, and after a while, the eaglet just cracks open the egg and sees who and what it is. Because it's in the right position, it starts to get the right perspective. It's so important. You've got to know where you were born. So many Christians say, well, I'm just a Kiwi. I was born in New Zealand. That's the end of it. Uh, I was I'm born in Auckland. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You weren't born low. You weren't born on the plateau. You were born in heavenly places. It is written of me. You can see it stamped on me. Boof, made in heaven. I'm made in heaven. Mm. Hallelujah. I follow my father. I have a different perspective of the world, of life, because I'm seeing through heavenly eyes. And you too are called indeed to this high place in Jesus Christ. You were not born on earth. It's stamped on you. Boof. 
made in heaven. You're not made in Holland. Not made in Tanzania. No way. Made in heaven. So are you. You're made for glorious things. And we need to open our eyes to all that God now has for us. So take that position. Rise up. Don't be like Nicodemus in John chapter 3, who hid in the darkness, not wanting to enter into spiritual reality. Don't be like a religious leader who sees it is more important to hold on to your theology than to gain the true experience of Jesus Christ. Rise up and take your place. And so Nicodemus had to realize, as Jesus said to him, that he too had a place in heaven, which was his to take. God is calling this church to come to a new level. If you are going to overcome the terrible things that are now happening in the world, and if you're going to be a missionary powerhouse, and you are going to be, and you are, Hallelujah. It's so important that you rise to a new level because when you come into that position, you gain the perspective of heaven and everything starts to change. You can be a missionary anywhere. You can start to overcome because you're in place. And this takes us to the E that is the next letter in open. E is for engage. We need to engage with these truths and not just theologize about them. We need to start to confess them. We need to start to plant the heavens into the earth. Isaiah 51 verse 16 says, I have put my hand upon you and covered you with the shadow of my hand and put my words in your mouth so that you might plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to my people, your God reigns hallelujah we need to be planters the way you plant is you see what is in heaven you start to see what God is doing you take it and you start to speak it as planted word into your situation you declare it we must become people who are consistent with our declaration it's no good getting all happy clappy slappy here and declaring things here only but when you're out there keeping your place keeping your declaration God is wanting you to be consistent so that what is in your heart consistently comes out as a strong declarative word allowing heaven to invade your circumstances and to transform the situation be consistent week after week day after day whatever it is be consistent in your declaration and do it with the right tone the truth at the right time. Hmm. Tone, truth, and timing. Make sure as you're in there, you're just speaking the tone. Uh-huh. It's very important to speak the right tone in your declaration. If you say to somebody, I forgive you, I don't think they're really going to be convinced that you have. But if you come across with the right tone, I forgive you then they know it's in your heart. And the same with your declarations of any sort. Bring forth the tone of the Spirit in your declaration so that it can stand. And then as tone, truth, and the time, the situation, line up, you're going to see remarkable changes in your position, in what you are seeing in your circumstances. Become the declaring people of God in a whole new way. And then the second thing about the E, I want to talk briefly about the ecclesia. 
This is a Greek word, and it means the called out ones who have got a special job to do. The ecclesia is a very important term and is the real word for church. In fact, there is no word church in the Bible. It's, it's not there. It's something that was made up by the Brits, by the English a long time ago, so that they wouldn't politicize things and get James, who published the first Bible, into trouble. He was afraid of the word ecclesia. King James wanted to hold on to his throne, and he knew what ecclesia meant. So he said, no, 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 never use the word ecclesia. He forbade the translators of the first Bible into English to use the word ecclesia, he said, you must only use the word church, which actually goes back to the word circa or circus from the goddess, the Greek and Roman goddess circa, which means circle and circus, where you watch somebody doing his actions up the front, you all pay a little money and you go home feeling happy. <laughs> ah, hello. Hope you love me still. All right. Uh -huh. But give me the word ecclesia. Mm. We got something happening here. What does ecclesia mean? Well, first of all, it was used by the Greeks, where 300 families came out initially, up to 300 families, in an armada of ships. And the admiral who actually piloted those ships, who directed those ships, was called the apostoleo. Hallelujah, the apostle. He was the apostle, and so he took these 300 or more into a whole new locality. They had the very best. They were called out from Greece as the highest people, as the advisors, as the ambassadors, as those who could truly convey what Greece was all about. They took themselves to a new country, and in that new country, they set up a completely new Greek culture. And that sudden started to infuse into the old culture and change it radically. So they became Hellenic or Grecian. That's what the Bible says. Many of the Jews in the New Testament were Hellenic Jews. They had been Grecianized because of the ecclesia of the Greeks. Am I speaking Afghanistan now? You with me? Uh -huh. And so they had become Greeks, even though they were Jews. God, Jesus, used that term, ecclesia. Now, the Romans were so impressed by this term, ecclesia, that they used it too. And they said, yes, we're going to have ecclesia, but we're going to add another dimension to this. We are going to add military power. And so whenever an ecclesia got into trouble or felt it needed military power, they would call on the local military battalion of Rome and they would come immediately to the aid of the ecclesia. We have a military. We have a military that is so bored, it's just twiddling its thumbs. When are they going to call on us? Don't they understand there's a battle going on? There's warfare down there. Where are these guys? I think the angels are saying, man, I wish Stevenson would get on the phone and call me. We've got a military. Hello. The armies, the hosts of heaven, they are waiting for a call. They're waiting for you to start to involve yourself with them, to engage with them, to start to bring heavenly realities to earth. 
Amen. And so this ecclesia is very important. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, here is the mystery of the ecclesia. He says, now this mystery is that the ecclesia is to actually govern in the heavenly places. It is to deal with principalities and powers that are at a lower level in the heavenly places because the ecclesia has taken her place. God's governmental assembly doesn't first happen here. It happens on the throne where we are seated together. I am seated with my brothers, my sisters, together on the throne. Unity starts in heaven. I don't try to get united and, and, and one with you here. It's all happening up there. It's there. It's truly one. One of the great problems on the world today is ethnic conflict. Racial conflict and misunderstanding. It is only us who seated in heavenly places can truly take the vision and the reality of being one nation in Christ to the world, loving one another and all the more praising God because of the diversity. Praise God. God is so much looking for the church of Jesus to accept each other and to come into the awesome power of his unity based in the heavenly places. This is a time for the ecclesia to rise. And that means everyone's starting to take their place in God in a fresh way. And then just as I close with this letter N, it's a new creation. New creation. The Bible is so clear. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are a new creation. This new species motivated by love. Saints, it's time for us to declare we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, I am on the throne. Everything that God wants to give you is wrapped in self-control. All of the packages, everything that God wants to give you is wrapped in self-control. Before you take your, before you can go through any circumstance that is difficult and oppressive, God wants you to know that in Him you have self-control. Now let me explain this. In fact, the word self-control is not in the Bible. It's not in the Greek. You don't find it there. What you do find for this self-control that is so important that you don't speak what you want to speak, so you don't react the way you want to react, so that you don't imagine what you want to imagine. The special word that is in the Greek language, Ephesians, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, for self-control is the spirit of lordship. 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 When you take your place on the throne of God and you know you are reigning there with Christ in heavenly places, you automatically receive the Spirit to reign. It's part of the deal. You get a spirit of self-control or a spirit of lordship that puts you over all your circumstances. Whenever you're going through anything, the first thing is to make sure you keep your position. Keep your position, then your perspective is clear, and then your identity becomes evident in that situation. Saints, maintain your place of lordship. 
It's so, you don't have to swear. You don't have to cuss. You don't have to put someone down. You don't have to be selfish. You don't. Hallelujah. You don't have to be miserly and stingy and everything else. You don't have to hold back. You don't. But the first thing you do have to do is take your position in Jesus Christ. You have to take your position in Jesus Christ. You have to know he gives you lordship in that place. Over every circumstances, over your poverty, over your sense of inadequacy, over your sense of being inferior, whatever it may be. Over your sense of having to succumb to sexual lusts or, or any other lust, You have a spirit of lordship. Hallelujah. You do not have to give way. But don't fight it at this level. Step back. Don't run into the circumstances. Step into his peace. Step into his presence. Allow yourself to be up there where he is, far above the storm, far above every affliction and demonic oppression. Allow yourself to sit there. And as you do, start to speak as a king. Start to speak as a queen. I know whom I have believed. I know I am on the throne with Jesus Christ. I know that he has placed me here to reign in this life. I will not bow down to these circumstances. I will not respond in an evil way. I will take my position as a king and queen above these things. And I will rule with the spirit of lordship. And as you rule with the spirit of lordship, you will start to possess the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Final word that I want to share is in James chapter 3. Linda has been teaching us in Africa about this and doing such a great job. I want to share these verses with you. James chapter 1, sorry. James chapter 1 says this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may become mature and complete, lacking in nothing. When God wants to get you into the kingdom, he allows you to face trials. He allows problems and things that are adverse against you to come your way. It's not the devil. Hello? Don't cuss the devil. It's God who allows these things in his sovereignty to come your way and mine so that he can elevate you, not so that he can put you down. And so as you come to the first obstacle, you're going to have to make a choice. Are you up above that obstacle or are you under it? Are you able to see yourself as one who is above and reigning in Christ Jesus? Or will you start to squander the opportunity to get the upgrade God wants to give you to be a son and a daughter of the living God? If you squander it, he's going to have to put another step in front of you. Boof, whack. And you're going to have to think about that again. So God takes you up to one thing. And as he does, you have a choice. Are you going to accept the faith of the New Testament that you are above? Or are you going to work out your own way of doing things with your own mind? And so when you come to this step, 
You have a choice to make. And if you say, Father, thank you for this, I know I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I know I'm above this and I will continue to praise you. And I will continue to thank you. I tell you, you will speedily enable yourself to step up to a whole new level. And as you continue to the next level, you will come to something. New levels, new devils. Hallelujah. Amen. New foes between your toes. Amen. That's a good one. You know, you got to trample on them. Uh, get them down there. So you come up to the next one. God's not putting you down. God's seeking to elevate you. But he knows that he can't give you the upgrade all at once. It has to come in stages. Hallelujah. And so he's trying to get you and me to see our way into royalty, to see our way into kingship, to take that high place that he's got for you. And so you manage to get over that one. Keep your place of faith. Keep your position in God. And in James chapter 1, we read this as we carry on just a little bit further. Verse 12, blessed is the man or woman who endures temptation and testing. For when he or she has been approved, he or she will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Hallelujah. God wants to crown you. God's not to put you down. God wants royalty. You are royal family. All of this is training for reigning. It's so that you can be where you always wanted to be. But because his, his place is so high, he's got to walk you up it. Accept the staircase of God. The staircase of God are the trials and the tribulations and the everything else you face. The person who knocks you, husband or wife, hallelujah. Whatever it may be, God's put that person there and now you can rise up to a whole new level in God. As we have put these things into practice in Africa, it's transforming us, it's transforming Africans, and it's making a huge difference. A little while ago, Linda, and I'll just share this quickly, Linda knew that she needed to come into the presence of the Father because she was facing a very big trial too. It was the trial of $20,000 to, to carry on building part of the school. And she knew that if she didn't have that money on time, then we were going to fail the children. We were going to not be able to open the school. And the educators, the authorities, would have something to say. She went into the presence of the Father. And knowing where she was seated, she went straight into the highest place. And as she was praying... She immediately saw in her mind, in her imagination, which is sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. She saw that the Father was sitting in front of her. And she said, Father, I'm here because we're needing cash. And we're here in Africa and we've got no access to this. And Father said, well, I'm so glad you've come because um, <clears throat> I've been keeping this money aside for you for a long time, hoping you'd arrive. Here, you, I've got it for you. Let me just call an angel over. And he called a little angel over, gave the angel a key, and the angel went over to another angel, and they opened the vault. They took out some money. The angel came back, and the father gave Linda the cash. All of this because she was seeing in faith. 
all of this because she was seeing, as Jesus said, you shall see heaven open. And as she was watching this, she said, well, Father, now what do I do? How do I really get this cash that's up there down onto earth so that the kingdom of heaven comes to earth? Father said, hold a party. Sunday night, when you have your worship time, call everyone in and let's have a celebration that this money has been given by the Father. So Linda came, we organized a party, and that particular Sunday, everyone was dancing and shouting and saying, Father, thank you for releasing the money. We didn't tell anyone about it from overseas. By the end of that week, before the deadline, $40,000 arrived. Hallelujah. Now that should get some of you saying, ding, 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 ding. Hallelujah. Saints, it's time to see as Jesus sees. It's time to step up and to start to operate in a whole new realm that God is opening for you and me. God is always doing things in Africa. And I pray that he'll continue to do wonderful things here amongst you too. Would you just stand with me as we we close? I wonder if there's anyone here. And this perhaps is the first opportunity you've had to give your life to Christ. You've never done that before. You've never surrendered your will to Jesus Christ. And you know He is real. And He's knocking on your heart's door tonight. If you're that person... You just, while everyone else is just quiet and heads bowed, if, if you're that person, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone else? Bless you, sir. Bless you, madam. Bless you, sir. And others? Others? Please, would you just come forward now? I'd love to pray with you. If you'd love to give your life to this wonderful Jesus who's got so much for you. He's so good. Others who raised their hands at that time, just please come forward. Come forward. Thank you, Father. This is wonderful. Amen. God loves you both so much. Would you just come close? Anyone else? There was one or two other hands if you'd like to come. Otherwise, please just meet with people at the end. Thank you, Father. I'd like to pray with you. Can I do that? Wonderful. And as I pray, Just speak after me the words that I pray, sir. Come on out, others. Come on through. God is so close, and he loves you so much, and he knows the step that you're taking. I would like you just to pray with me, because as you do, God's going to settle something in the heavens, and you become a royal son of God, royal daughter of the king. He's there for you. Are you ready to do that?